Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we, Charlie and I, are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. I totally left you hanging there. I could see you were looking for me to come in. I was just like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to leave him right there. (laughs) Well, I reckon that was a good, perfect G chord for all you singers out there, where you're just like, Grant can hold a note. Charlie, just put it out there, 6 a.m. right now, and we are recording because that's the type of animals that we are. Is there anything that you would like to promote this morning? Well, do you know what? I think everyone's expecting me to say the email list, so I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it. But can you see even in saying it, I kind of did it, I was gonna but say I said I wasn't going to do it. Marketing 101 right there. <laughs> do you want me to- All right. And if you don't know, Charlie, I just I, I just I haven't changed the URL. It's businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Just letting you know. Perfect. Let's cue the disclaimer. It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself, and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape, or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. All right, Grant, I want to know, have you ever taken up smoking in your life? Have you ever been a bit of a smoker? Never. Did I like loathe smoking so much. But I, I remember I did have a barky when I was in like scouts. Have you ever heard, heard of a bark, barky? I don't even know what a barky is. It's where because like you're so young and you can't have a cigarette and so you get like a piece of bark and you roll it up and you like, it's terrible. It was a scouts thing. Don't judge me. <laughs> It's outrageous. Should have said nothing. No, Charlie, I haven't. You? Oh, well, do you know what? You have your barky, right? You do you. <laughs> like once when I was a kid. Well, I think the better question is why am I bringing up smoking here? So there's a there's a term used which in business which is known as a cigar butt, which um, notably is actually made famous by Warren Buffett of all people. Like That's where the term comes from. Now, I want to explain what a cigar butt is and then we're going to dive deep into this topic today because – there's some things on the horizon and things that have changed, which would have me believe that many businesses are actually going to start experiencing not just being a cigar butt, but actually a faster pace of drawdown. Totally. All right. That was good, the drawdown. Oh, my God. Are you, you sure on. you weren't a smoker? <laughs> I'm like, you are on right now. I mean, around smokers to know what a drawdown is. but I think around. anyone who's uh, been the child of a smoker, so my father smoked, and the smell and disgust of it is just enough to put you off. Totally. Like I was never even tempted. I'm like, how is he doing this? This stinks. <laughs> I. It is, yeah, I got no idea. All I can say is greatest sales and marketing on the face of the planet to convince people to do that. Just put it out there. We should do a whole episode on that, how they oh. use the movie industry to make it cool. Yes. It was amazing, amazing. That's great. But, yeah, um, so Drawdown. Yeah, by the way, I'm not for smoking and I will not have that. And we'll probably actually have some trouble with this episode on YouTube now because we've talked about (laughs) tobacco products. The the barky will bring you back, don't worry. All right, your barky, you stick with your barky. All right, back to Warren Buffett because that's where this actually gets interesting here, Grant. Yep. Okay, so before uh, Warren Buffett does what he does today, which is his whole thesis of uh, buying good companies at a fair price, where he actually made substantial money is they would look to companies that were on the way out. 
So I'll give you an example. This isn't the companies he was investing in, but I just think this is a really good example for people to understand and it'll link into one of your stories later. He would look to industries like, I'm going to say fossil fuels as the example here, and he would see that, well, it's pretty apparent to me that everyone's shifting towards green energy, right? There's a, a very defined amount of time left for this industry. So that is the butt of a cigar. We can see we're finishing the butt of the cigar. So what he would do is he would look at businesses in these cigar bud industries, and there's been a lot of them, right? You can think of like the Yellow Pages, like print magazines were arguably in a uh, cigar butt business at the moment. Mm-hmm. And he would look at them and go, well, what are the assets worth underneath that business? Because a lot of the investment moves, right? So to define that, make it really clear, if you're an investor and you want to invest in energy, do you want to invest in these like dying businesses or do you want to go invest in like renewables and green and all of that? Renewable. You want to go where the future is. Of course. You were going to, wanted to invest in advertising. You're not going to invest in like print media, which is in huge declines. You're going to invest in internet or whatever, whatever is appropriate. Hello. Right. But Warren Buffett picked up on the idea that when all the money moves out of these cigar bud industries, like no one wants to be holding the bag at the end, is that people would overlook the value of the assets. So maybe, you know, there's a, a petroleum company that he would look at and they would own all this land, right? They'd have all this land and machinery and all of that has value. So when this company goes under, they're going to sell all of that off. And, you know, land's pretty valuable. Maybe the vehicles this company has is pretty valuable also. So if he could buy shares in the company for cheaper than what the assets are worth, that's how he used to make his money. Yep. So the investors had run out. He'd come in and buy large portions of this company and then they run the cigar butt out and then potentially, in my example, and there's variations of the cigar butt. I just want to make totally. this really clear on the ideation from there is he would make money on industries de- declining. So his view was he could buy cheap assets because they're cheap but they weren't good businesses because they were on the way out and Warren Buffett's big shift on the end of that was going, well, what if I you know, buy good businesses at a fair price? instead of trying to find cheap businesses that are potentially going through massive declines and looking for that type of thing. His other issue was is these cigar butts is like once they run out, you don't hold them perpetually. Like they've, they've got a defined end date where in his new thesis or what he does, when I say new, geez, how long has he been doing it? <laughs> I was going to say like a 50-year thesis, pretty sure. Completely, where it's like he's held uh, Amex and Coca-Cola for how long now? Yeah, for way too long. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's the difference in his strategy. All right. Do you think we did all right at explaining what a cigar butt is? Definitely. And I, I love the example that you use because it's got the tangibility at the end of it because there are, uh, as people listening to this, you're probably thinking about all of these other industries that have had cigar butts that didn't have a sellable asset at the end, still cigar butts, right? And so like a, one that you and I talk about is like Yellow Pages. Like, <laughs> like they had a whole heap of people's details. Maybe, probably can't sell it too much outside of doing something with it. So I love it. I think we could, again, do a whole episode on just the advantage Yellow Pages had at one point and could have used but didn't and where poor management plays a role. I um, I did a little bit of work there and it's, it's very close to home. All right. Well, now I want to bring this to today, Grant. I want to bring it to today. Let's do it. We've been seeing some interesting things this week particularly and most notably, do you know what? I think even on the, one of our podcasts, I said that, hey, look, I'm seeing some of this AI stuff, but I haven't seen it actually used in anything meaningful yet. I don't think it's going to be a thing for a while. And then sure enough, chat GBT3 came out like the week later. 
And then I'm like, oh, this is actually getting really interesting now. And like with the release date of the podcast and that coming out, I was like, oh, that doesn't look great. <laughs> it's like that little meme with the guy with the stick, like poking it, like do something. <laughs> and so, do something. There you go. They did. They released it just to uh, make you shut your mouth. Well, Chat GPT four now, which is like ten x, maybe more, what Chat GPT three is, has come through, and we're seeing some really fascinating things. Oh, it's it shaking up some industries. Now, regardless if uh, you believe it's going to be a thing or not, we can all acknowledge that trends change, things change. Uh, we, we run TikTok ads now where previously we were, used to run more Google ads, for example. Like things are inevitably changing. So what I want to frame up in the idea of this episode is that cigar butts are real. Like this is a very real thing. You may very well be in a business or an industry right now that has a defined end date. Pretending it's going to last forever is dangerous, incredibly dangerous. Very you might have services that are cigar butts. So this doesn't just apply to businesses as a whole. This applies to like smaller things as well. Like you might be offering something right now where you know it's coming to an end. General business cycles happen. Like if you just look back 30 years, it is very different. What companies were on the uh, S&P 500 is the biggest companies in the world versus what are on there today. Like it all changes. Totally. So knowing this, we have to think about how we play business very differently. And I know a lot of people are out there pretending their business is going to last forever. I want to shatter that dream right now. <laughs> Not because you're that type of guy. It's because it's reality. Like it's more like a, just a check-in as, <laughs> as opposed to the shattering. <laughs> Did I go too far? <laughs> it, was so it was so bad. It was good. Yes, it will be that guy. Have you ever had a cigar bite business, Grant? It was funny. I was I was thinking about this when we were prepping for this episode. I actually think I've done quite well at not having like if I continued running the businesses that I had, like most of them were still in growth stages. Some of them plateaued, but man, like even my e-commerce is growing. Man, people are putting more chickens in their backyards, so chicken coops are, are actually on the rise. Like so, uh, digital marketing is bigger than it's ever been. So like a lot of these, I think I did quite well with trends, but never opened a cigar butt myself specifically. Although I have been part of other businesses or helped other businesses that have been definite cigar butts. Lay down, what do you got? Um, all right, so back when I was working in my company called Focus HQ, uh, we were working with a very, very, very large, like when I say large, they operate in like 52 countries, large. So not very small, like massive with bees in their numbers, like <laughs> their Excel spreadsheets, you know how you like round out the millions, like an M, it's like a B, <laughs> like that, that kind of size. Balance. So they're a small like backyard family Tiny. business operation. Tiny. Um, so anyway, I was I was uh, in a boardroom with their global COO um, in Switzerland, just again, magnitude of the size of their business. And, I, and they had invested a whole heap of money in like fossil fuels, like they are, they basically have a petrol outlet as one part of their business. And I've gone to him, I'm like, renewables are here. Why are you investing in this? Like in accumulating and they were acquiring businesses and they were building this petrol terminals as well as these retail outlets. And I'm like, can't you see the writings on the wall with like uh, solar panels, with renewables, with all these things? I'm like, I, I don't get it. Uh, and then they were also selling out of uh, sort of other regions of the world. And he's like, Grant, what you don't understand is there are areas in this world that will innovate slower than others. And that's where we're accumulating. So they're like in Africa, in Asia, 
they're just going to have a slower rate of uptake for electric cars, of solar panels. Of They've got a whole heap of other problems that they need to solve first before they go and put it in there. So he's like, so these markets actually have 20 years to run. And he's like, but everyone else is getting out. So he's like, we're able to pick up these assets that are actually really valuable. And then on the other side of the business, we'll invest in renewables. Even to the extent that they separated their business out to get investors onto the renewable front whilst they extract profits from like the, the petrol outlets and terminals to go and invest in the renewables. And it was one of the biggest eye-openers for me of this concept of a milking out of the cigar butt that I've ever seen before and at a huge scale, like ridiculous scale. And that was how they were playing the game, was they were using this to extract profits in these cigar butt sort of retail outlets to move into renewables, and that was a longer play. And I love that story so much because it, it highlights something that's so critical here is like cigar butts have different speeds. Completely. Right. But look at how strategic they've been. And this is what I would love our audience to be thinking about. And I know it's a conversation you and I have many times is that if you're, let's say you're in the taxi industry right now and you can see that uh, automated cars are coming, like Tesla's actively trying to build this now. Yep. Right. Writing's on the wall. How far away do you think it is though? Yeah, it's like the trend has started, but until everything becomes electric, like it's <laughs> it's going to be a very long period of time. Huge, right? So you look at that right now and it's like the um, – I look at it and go, all right, your knee-jerk reaction might be, all right, Tesla's coming. I need to, I need to get out. I'm selling my taxis. I'm, I'm working through it. I'm going to start up some sort of, I don't know, automated delivery business. Sure. I'm Work with, with me on this. That's where the future's going around. I get it. But if you do that, right, and there's a 20-year horizon, like in your example here, there might be exponential wealth that can be created in that time. And not only that, everyone's going to be getting out at that time where you can acquire those assets. Yep. And you look at that and go, that might actually be your springboard to being the most successful you can be. And, and that was where I felt like I was in the, the dumbest guy in the room. <laughs> Where I'm like, because I'm like, I thought I was being really smart. I'm like, oh man, innovation and stuff. And it's like, no, 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 man, you just don't get the game. And so for for these examples, I'm like, that just makes so much sense instead of running away. And then you just, you know, they own the land and they own the buildings and they just sell down the assets. Like it's it's so simple to understand. I think one of the dangers with it though is, again, pretend you weren't paying attention to these trends. And I hope everyone is paying attention to these trends at a, for their own industries. But the danger is you actually overinvest and you end up at a negative in that. Because, you know, we'll go to the car example we'll keep bringing in here. Is like if you're actively trying to add masses to your fleet right as Tesla's rolling out automated vehicles, right, that type of negligence is where you can do real damage. Right, real damage. If yellow pages look to explode right at the decline where the internet is like booming, so that is the moment where they should have taken profits off the table so they could have been ready for the internet wave. Yeah, they could have been on the forefront of it, trying to instead of trying to double down on something that isn't necessarily working for them in that way. They're, like they're not the powerhouse they are today because they missed that wave. That a huge opportunity. Yeah, I completely concur. Are there any industries you see or examples of businesses you're looking at right now where you think cigar butt, where you think their days are done? It's going to be a big blanket statement. I, I think that services will not be what they are now. I actually, I actually think that services 
in general that can be provided virtually, I, I think he's going to go through a complete rehash of how it is delivered and what, what it actually looks like now from everything from delivery, from pricing, from expectations, from results. For, it's just There's just so much change going in there that I just think that whatever exists now will just not be looking the same in the next one, two, three years. Interesting, and you're even to put one year timelines on it. I think this is this is going to be quick because this particularly like Chat GPT four stuff you're seeing. To- totally, like the things you're seeing in AI, like just apply the concept. So <laughs> there's a guy that I know that generates leads for legal companies, and so to help validate the leads, they use AI and stuff like that. But one of the fascinating things that he said is like seventy percent of his customers are already using. AI to help them with their paralegal work, 70%. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, and the paralegal works like research and uh, precedent cases and things like that, which is just reading books and extracting things out. And so I just go, okay, well, that's already baked into some kind of service delivery when it comes to legal. And now it's lighter in the US than it is in Australia because the data and all those kind of things that it has is better. But I just look at that and I go, at what point does that just reach into everything else, whether it's um, like, yeah, whether it's industry specific or service specific. And so I go, you can niche down into industries and just articulate which ones will be sort of shaken down. So obviously AI can't walk into a courtroom, can they? So it's like this little component of a legal practice that will be shake, shaken down. But I'm like, across all of the services, when there's something that can be delivered that's not necessarily face-to-face, I think that AI will be a component of it. Do you not feel this has already been happening though? Like if you look back over the last few years, for example – just I'll give you the one. How much easier it is to build a website now? Totally. Right? If you go back five years ago and think about what used to go into setting up a website on the internet, there's practically drag and drop builders now using things like Squarespace or Wix that someone can nearly do themselves. Entirely. Right? So there has been like this idea of uh, what I'll call innovation, technology innovation online that's kind of been driving that. I also look at like the tools uh, our team use at the media company. Right? Yep. You look to things like Otter which is like the transcript tool, or you look towards like some of the, again, I'm out of my depth here, really out of my depth. But just some of the things that would are available to us have acted like enhancements, like it's not all bad news. And I'll use another analogy here. Um, I don't think this is a signs of doom and gloom. I really don't. I actually think of that for anyone who works online, which is where I've particularly been doing my research around here, What's coming down the line seems to be that every person now has the ability to wear an Iron Man suit to work. Completely. We're all cyborgs now. Yeah. It, it's going to be about enhancement. It's not going to be about replacement. Now, and if you even take this to like what's happened in factories, have you seen the video of the uh, automated factory at Amazon with all the robots? I have. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, am- it's actually amazing. It's really amazing. And I look at it and go like, that's where we're going to get to with a lot of things in here. I think there's a shift towards a lot of the jobs. In all honesty, people don't want to do. I think that this is going to be an incredibly important time where these types of innovations are actually going to drive productivity in a real way. I'm going to throw this out of here as well. I'm With what I'm seeing on the technology curve at the moment, I think a lot of what we're seeing is actually going to drive the next wave of productivity in our world. Yep. This is how we solve uh, inflation. This is how we solve many of the challenges our world sees today. It's going to become magical. I I do put this layer down though. So I think that like the AI layer will assist in most of the things that we do. But to use your website example, right? 
what I reckon the Wix and the Squarespaces did was it allowed an entire group of, we'll call them all business owners, right? So it's very rare that a non-business owner wants to build a website. So a, a group of business owners to the barrier to entry for them to start a business was so low that Wix and Squarespaces in this example was the one that allowed them to get there. Second, their business gets to a growth layer though. They go, well, money now is a utility in order for me to get someone else to help me with this. They're not going to be clicking, dragging and doing the things, which means they'll go and get someone else to help them with it. They'll try and do some kind of like sales page or like a funnel or something like that, right? And that's when they go, I'm going to go out and get some professional to do it. And what do I mean by this? I actually think that through the AI, it's actually going to create like this void of a whole heap of people trying to utilize these tools like the Wix and Squarespaces and like these tools that get you 80% of the way there, but don't actually really make you completely successful. And then everyone else who provides the actual success on the other side. (laughs) And that's actually where the cigar butt's not because it's like, well, we are the ones that actually know how to do the thing that AI can't. And so I look at that going, I think I love the the website analogy because I sit there and I go, there's two two parts to this. Like ain't no Fortune 500 sitting there going, oh yeah, CEO was on the weekend clicking around Squarespace. <laughs> that, that's not how it works, right? It's I doubt that's going to happen. I complete, I concur on that one here. But I want to bring this back to cigar butts, though, because I think we can all see that's just one example of like where technology is going to drive some pretty significant cigar butts, and like the green energy one, another huge one that's coming. We see in trend. Um, you've mentioned the idea and discussed this with me about just how like work from home has changed things. Right, just all this awesome stuff, and I want to frame it as a positive here. But it is going to have impacts on a lot of businesses. Yeah. A lot of people who are in businesses right now have things that have become cigar butts because of these innovations. Like the guy who used to have the uh, shop on uh, the main street in my area used to develop photos. I did really. <laughs> right, things change. Things change in a big way. It's a, it's a very very interesting thing. But Grant, I, I want to bring this back to here. It's like. I hope we've shaped up the idea that everyone needs to acknowledge you're in a cigar butt or a cycle of some kind, which what you do in business and how you do it is going to change and evolve continually. Can I can I bring up the, the best cigar butt that I saw on the weekend? Of course. I'm just going to close this out. I was driving, Hazel and I were driving home and there was a sign on the side of the street that said, we convert your videotapes, cassette tapes and DVDs to digital files. Did you know that's not actually a cigar butt? Well, it's going to die at some point. <laughs> it might be 30 years or 40 years of people that have just got all this stuff. I get right? it. I totally get it, except you're missing something on this one. Okay. Right. So what happens, right, I'm going to say, and I'm going to frame this up in a way because I have actually used these services. Of course you have. And I'm it like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I thought the same thing as you. Hey, Charlie, come here. Like there was. So what happens, Grant? What happens is when uh, older people pass away, and you're dealing with the estate, you're going to find boxes. And what's yes. in those boxes is going to be old films and videos and VHS and family tapes. It's going to be memories. And you're going to sit there and you're going to go, I need these converted to digital. So that industry, right, is actually going to continue for quite a while because us millennials, right, our parents have analog tapes, analog memories, analog photos. And when they all get older and those boxes get passed down to us, you wait and sit there. So you laugh at this now, but I I'll, I'll bet you end up using that service. I'm crying because it's so funny. But totally, it's, it's just a very long cigar, but it's like that massive drawer. 
It's like, all right, like, I'll, I'll give it. It is a Tagaba, but I was like, I couldn't believe. To your point, I'm like, how does this still exist? And then the, the day happened for me. I'm like, I totally see why this exists. But I'm sure, like the pan the Panasonic manufacturer is not sitting there going, oh, quick, let's produce as many like record to digital converters that we possibly can because this is going to be a growing market. <laughs> <It's-> <laughs> I don't know. People get pretty sentimental on this stuff. Yeah, sure. We'll see. Like, I get, I get you. I get you. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That's what I wanted to say. Well, I mean, did you put your foot in it? No, no. Maybe I this just, is a new I, business I idea. Hey, I enjoyed it. I felt this. How cool. funny! I, I, I actually laugh. That's one I've had to use. That's the best part of it. <laughs> part of it feels like I knew that. I should have. Bringing this back, right? So acknowledging it, right? It's like business cycles happens, industries changes, a whole bunch of things. How do you deal with it? How do you acknowledge it? <clears throat> have you seen those birds that just bury their head in the sand when they're scared? Do you know I actually have? Yeah, that, that's the solution. <laughs> I somehow don't feel that's the solution, <laughs> but I like the ideation here. <laughs> yes. So what is the solution? I'm going, to, I'm going to put it out there. Um, there's a really great book I read many years ago called Disrupt Yourself. Did you happen to read that one? I did not. I think I might have listened to the audio book. Enlighten me. Oh, well, the title kind of sums it up. Maybe you don't have to read that one. But I'll, I'll come through and I'll, I'll, he makes a really interesting point. He's like you're kind of sitting in this example where if you don't disrupt it and lean into this, your competition will. So inevitably, by not being the one who disrupts your own industry, evolves your own business, whatever it is, you're the one that ends up getting hurt. And it's like, you know, Blockbuster, Kodak, you don't, Yellow Pages, you don't have to look too far to find examples of this, right? It's like particularly the Kodak one is relevant because they invented the digital camera. Yep. Right. So the idea being is that what he suggests in this book, and I really encourage a lot of people as well, is that you have to be on the forefront of this. You have to be the early adopter. You have to be the one that's taking the swings at making this happen. Otherwise, if you're back-footed, you end up in a, in a position that's not as ripe. And I'll, I'll give some examples here. Is When I was running my ad agency, we were just doing Google Ads. I funnily enough read this book probably about then. Facebook ads had come out. And I'm like, I can see this is, what is looking at a potential disruptor. It might not work. But if we nail this, we're going to be the first ones to offer it. And when you're an early adapter, you actually get to ride the waves. Yep. So we grew substantially because of that. Second to that, I was like we were using uh, Philippines talent back, way back then. We were one of the first agencies to do so. Right? And I look at it and go, again, I was looking at this and I'm going, a lot of the work we do is on computers. If we were the ones that were finding a way to offshore talent, you know, find people from other countries which are there, we have a chance to be a big disruptor here. It's really expensive to hire people in Melbourne and, and put them in offices if we can, like, again, add that Iron Man suit to our team by utilising the talents of overseas at different rates and taking care of arbitrage. We stand to be the ones that can ride this early, and we did. Like, huge disruptor. Then uh, you just keep going down these things and I look at it and go, when you're early and you catch the right wave, and I'll acknowledge I caught some wrong waves as well, pick some terrible ones. But if you are the early adopter, you actually get to, uh, I suppose, enjoy some substantial wins. So I think being the early adopter and the one on the forefront of things, yes, it will feel awkward, but I think it's a very, very real strategy. 
So to acknowledge your cigar butt and be ready for it, key. Completely. And I think another layer to that is not every single industry or every single service has the option to go and try and disrupt to something. Like some of them need to do a complete 180 and offer a completely different service to the same customer base just to try and utilize whatever IP they've got or whatever kind of asset they've got in the business. Or then even like doing a, like this has got two years to run and there is no disruption, no pivot, nothing, and just accept that that happens. Like, what about That's, the fidget spinners? What do you, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go to change to like Lazy Susans <laughs> because I've got such good ball bearings on my fidget spinners. Like, there, there are things that will just come to an end. Yeah, so this is where we're getting industry specific, right? So I, I would say if you're in an agency, right, unless people stop wanting to buy stuff, if you're a marketing agency, totally. right, your industry isn't going to end. But if you're in something that's a fad, right, so you mentioned fidget spinners there, right, because there are fad businesses out there or things that only exist for a certain amount of time and then they're done. Yep. Right, so tulips, <laughs> the tulip, mate. <laughs> yes. But if you're in one of them and fossil fuels comes out as being like one of the huge ones where it's like as a world we're trying to get away from these, you can see it's got an end date. Right? I look at that and go, if you're in one of those types of industries, your whole skill and game is to be very aware on the rundown time and to be extracting profits out so you can make a new move and start a new business or start a green company when it seems appropriate. Those are the cigar bite businesses that I think are actually easier to go with than the ones that you're looking to try and innovate through like some kind of next disruption because it's almost like you it's like going to the bowling alley and you know exactly where the gutters are and, oh that's fine like i just gotta go down there and i'll be better where like when you're in a business that you're like well actually i just need to look to jump to something else like an agency in your example of going okay cool i'm doing google search facebook ads is this new thing that's like jumping to like another lane it's just going okay well there's these other lanes that i potentially could go down instead can I mention something controversial here? No. So as I'm going to say, no, of course you can. Well, I think the car industry is a great example of this. Like Tesla's started with a clean slate. They only have electric where you look at companies like, and I'm not going to name any, but it's like anyone that has a combustion engine, right? They've, they're all dealing with this legacy technology stuff they have to pivot from. So Elon's over here with a clean slate. Why all the other companies are working out how they wind down combustion engines or develop things. Now, don't get me wrong, big companies, clever guys, but it's like, which one would you rather be in? Did, did you see the image that I sent you of the profitability per car produced for Tesla compared to everything else? Completely. That is, so to articulate it, essentially like Tesla makes just under like $10,000 per car and everyone else, like there's like a, one out of China, which is like a BY something. Anyway, and that's like a couple of thousand. That was like in second to Tesla and then everyone else is like losing money on creating like these electric cars and that's to your point you've got so much excess baggage that you need to like get rid of and change and do all of that to produce your current cars in order to try and compete here where like Tesla's just smoking everyone from a profitability perspective but also from a product perspective. So where this gets controversial I think that's a great example to sum this up. I think a lot of businesses end up holding on to legacy and it is the thing that actually drags them down. Right. So again, another example, let's pretend we're yellow pages. It's like they keep continuing to run the yellow pages while they're trying to grow the other side of the business, but it would have been a better move for them to shut it down and just start something new. Yeah. Like do a wind down. I think so to go deeper into that, for a lot of people, and that's a very confronting thing to look at mentally, is to set your own end date on your business. 
right? So you will close it out. So you can be the Tesla, go into something new and exciting because otherwise you can end up in a like dire industry that's just doing nothing and stagnant and a lot of legacy stuff where it in the long term won't serve you. Yeah, I concur. <laughs> I completely concur with that, which is, yeah. And there's so many different industries that you can think of for that as well uh, as the like to come back to our AI conversation. Like it's, okay, well, how many are coming through that AI just might make it not necessary for you to go and continue your business versus to the other point that you're mentioning versus being an enabler for you to go and deliver something better or additional services to support those customers. Because what Yellow Pages did in your example was they actually tried to provide everybody with services. Like they tried to do like the Google AdWords and everything. So they had like this great huge. Oh, I remember. And I want to say thank you because the job you did drove customers towards me dramatically. It was the best farming spot for my SEO clients. So it was great. (laughs) Yeah, let's not slander here or or make it worse, but but uh, it didn't work for them. But totally. But but that was their play was we have a good rapport selling advertising to these businesses. They just need to buy more advertising because they need more eyeballs. What's the other thing that we can go and ride onto? Unfortunately, as they pivoted, like they just did not do a good service because they were good at one thing, which was putting ads in paper, like not putting ads on the internet. And, and that was the difference. We should do an episode on what what would you have done if you were running the yellow pages at that point? Oh, I think that'd be great. That'd be good I'll fun. Sm- I'll smoke you. It's good. All right. How else would you play a cigar, bud? If you're walking into a cigar bar, like how would you look to it and just go, cool, this is how I play it outside of obviously you were talking about extracting profits along the way. So if, if you know can, the- Can we, can we dig in there? So I think one of the challenges many come across, right? So in what I believe, and this is my views on business, I'm not asking anyone to back these beliefs. As you're going along in business, I think it's really important to be taking money out and building an asset base outside your business. It's almost the premise of this podcast. It is. It is the premise and hopefully anyone who's listening to that is bought into it. Now, if you haven't been doing that and you're in a business that's a cigar butt and you everything's reinvested and you, you're just getting by, right? Maybe you're making a little bit more than you spend, you're saving a little bit. How difficult is it to make the decision to shut down a business or pivot or disrupt or do anything like that? Very hard. Well, you got you had no money to go and do any of it. Like you've got nothing to go and back it. Yeah. Conversely, when you look at us here, Grant, where we've been able to generate profits along the way, extract money out, build asset bases around it, build good cash buffers, right? We have good emergency funds so that if things do shift, we can do it. For us, how do you feel about potentially making a move? Or yeah, if, if things end, like what opportunities do you have? Thousands. Like it's There is no problem in my mind at all. Exactly. So I think this is the part two is going, well, if you're aware cigar butts exist, well, let's not live you know, in Egypt on the, in denial. Like that one? It's a good dad joke, that one. <laughs> you passed the dad joke exam. It's great. Yeah. So my belief on how we do business is like I believe these cycles are real. I think there's going to be disruptions. I also think there's going to be new waves to catch. I want to be in a position to do so. Totally. So setting yourself up where you've extracted profits along the way so when shifts like this happen or where you are facing cigar pots or changes, I think it's imperative to that. Mm. I really do. Step three in my mind is the discernment on is this a type of thing I can transition or pivot or is this a thing I ride out to the end and then start something new? And that's going to be very industry specific. That's going to be very business specific and asset specific. But someone really needs to understand that so they can set up a comparable plan because it just doesn't make sense for every business to tackle it in the same way. 
you've also got to remember this. Like, <clears throat> one of the biggest eye openers that I had was my mum in teaching. And yes, I will bring it back. It does relate. So when uh, the big C happened and she was teaching students from home, like she had to learn a whole heap of technology, like how do I use Teams? It's funny, they bounced between Teams, Zoom and um, something else. Like they just used all these different tools. And she's like, I'm, I'm at a stage where I just don't want to learn these things. She's like, I, this is not what I signed up for. This is not the, the thing that I thought teaching was. And I think that's the other layer of business owners. So if you're really good as a, I don't know, like a, a lawyer, and now it's like, well, I don't know how to use tech and I don't want to know how to use tech. And so it's like, okay, well, you've also got to understand for yourself what you want to do because nothing's worse than dragging yourself up in the morning, making yourself learn things that you don't want to learn in order to run a business that you no longer enjoy because everyone else is smoking you because they're excited about the technology. They actually like it. They're doing all those things. And so I think the layer on top of that is obviously the business owner in that element of going, is this still something that you want to play into? And to use your Facebook ads, it's like, man, it's like it was perfect for you. It was like moth to a flame as you're running towards. Oh, it fed Facebook my addiction ads. so well, just like TikTok ads has more recently. Completely, where technology for my mum in teaching was like the opposite. It was like it was a repellent. Just like I just want to do everything else, but I want to be face to face with kids. And so the business owner actually do, wanting to do the thing that would that is being disrupted. So leaning into that, do they actually want to do it? But I'll also say like. You've got to understand, and, and I've spoken to a couple of business owners about this recently who are looking to expand into different countries and expand their service offering in order to increase their revenue. For them, they need to understand that do you have a war chest to support the swing of the bat if you miss? And so you got this like on the nail on the head, which was go and try the disruption, but it's not guaranteed to work. You're not an expert at delivering it, or otherwise it probably would have been your first business in the first place, <laughs> right? And so be willing to try it out and put everything into it, but also just don't stress about it failing. Just make sure you got something to fall back on, right? Because imagine if you had zero money in a bank account and you're like, let's go all in on this Facebook ads thing and then Facebook ads turned into a periscope and just disappeared overnight. And you're like, oh, no. Like, fun- got- fundamentally, I think this is the core issue across yeah. all of it because I know we're talking about the context of cigar butts here and like real significant business shifts where you kind of have to change. Right, you can't keep doing it there. But how many business owners do you know that just want to make change in their business in general? They want to start a new service, build a new product, do a software. I actually don't think I know a single one that isn't trying to innovate. When's the last time you spoke to someone? It's like, no, same same thing. We're just doing what we're doing. We're going to consistently do this. Sometimes they're the most successful ones, but it's very rare. (laughs) It's very rare. Incredibly rare. Totally. And but that's that's the point is why like the whole concept of building wealth outside of the business is to deal with these things because you have no idea what's going to come through and wipe the business out. You have no idea what technology is going to come out of Silicon Valley next week. Like to your point, the GPT-4 thing, which is ridiculously powerful, your brain probably can't even fathom all of the opportunities that it could have. And so as long as you've got that war chest and the investments outside of the business, it doesn't matter you will always be able to innovate. You'll always be able to change whether it's this business or another business. And so um, the other thing that I'll just put on top of what you're talking about is, and it's still in line with this war chest concept, is just not over-investing on the way down. So yes, you're going to need team to deliver the cigar, but yes, you're going to need technology to help you deliver the cigar, but but don't over-capitalize on it. Just remember it's a cigar, but the the whole value is to extract the profits along the way (laughs) as opposed to putting more profits and more money on top of it to try and make it successful. 
as like you acknowledge it's a cigar butt and if it's not profitable, cut it off as opposed to trying to funnel funds into it to try and grow it. Would you ever start a cigar butt business? I'm looking at this right now and let's let's pretend it's uh, taxis or, I don't know, petroleum, something you know is a defined end date. It's it's printing photos, right, on the way down. I We talked about this. So personally, it comes down to the numbers, but I would almost never start one. However, I would buy into one. Interesting. I mean, you're allowed your opinion. I mean, totally. I, I'm also allowed my opinion of your opinion, and I think that's a shitty opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, but I'll add, I'll add a lens to it, right? So, I would never get into typically never get into a cigar butt, assuming the cigar butt is five, ten years, because typically what I've seen, there's not a huge amount of money that I can extract out of it. Slash, I have nothing at the end of it, perceivably, and I, I know every opportunity is slightly different, etc. So, I'm generalizing in all of these statements, by the way, Charlie. So typically, like they've got a finite endpoint, they've got a finite profit that you'll be able to extract out of it over a period of time. And I'm like, what if I just spent that time building something that's going to go longer? <laughs> like it's probably going to have a better outcome. And so it's not the fact that I can't make money off it. It's just the fact of going, well, if I just put the time and effort into something better, that it will continue. Probably a better thing. Do you know, I've changed my opinion. And so then, There's actually a pretty good reason. But then I would invest in one because I'm like, well, if Charlie wants to run the cigar bar strategy and he wants to sacrifice his time for five to 10 years and he just needs a million bucks, I'm going here's a million bucks, Charlie, do your thing and then I'll profit off it but I don't need to be the one that goes and does the thing. I'm just so wired in a unique way. I actually think cigar butts are a great opportunity mm. because they're so hated. I th- Different question though. Do I think it's a great opportunity? Hells yeah. I am all in on that, right, and I will, I will throw money at it and I'll, the ones and zeros make sense, I'm, I'm in. The only difference is like my time versus – Doing something else. Oh, wait, so you're happy to invest in my cigar butt, but you won't. Totally, you're sacrificing your time, not me. <laughs> and, and then just to your point, though, this is my envisionment. I look at it and go, all right, I see this cigar butt, and I go, but really, every business has got cycles in a cigar butt. At least I'm known on my end date. There's many people in a business right now that probably won't exist in five years. And that's, that's so why they're like playing it. blind. So my intention's pure. And I look at it and go, you're going long term. I'm going, if I can make big money now, I'm going to buy assets. Totally. So that is the long-term compounded value I would be able to create out of it. And but I, if you're, yeah, and to that point, like the extremes, like if you're talking about a $100 million opportunity and it's going to be a 10-year play, like, dude, I'm in for your cigar butt. I'm playing that game with you. Don't worry. But if you're talking about, hey, Grant, you can go and make five grand a month for 10 years and it's going to take you a whole heap of time, I'm like, no, nah, man, you can have your cigar butt. Like, I don't want to deal with that. I just feel like I would really have to take up smoking cigars if I was going to do it. I just want to be on the po- if I ever on the podcast is smoking a cigar, you know what I'm getting up to. <laughs> He's just finished his cigar, I'm just trying to take the last draw. But I am, um, you know, one of the, uh, the funniest things. So I would invest in one um, just because I, I, there is so much value in it. And, I, it's, and it comes back to the Carl Icahns and the Warren Buffetts of the world of just going like, how do I just get some value out of this? And I just think so many people will just run away from them that I, kn- I know there are some killer opportunities out there. But I'm, I'm curious, when you think about businesses that you've been in from a cigar bite perspective, is there a time horizon? Because you could, you, what is it, 80% of businesses that currently exist won't exist in 15 years is like the typical statistic that gets thrown out. So that, that's the business cycle. Totally. And just remember that 97% of st- all statistics are made up, right? And so... If you look at that, you go, great, well, 15 years, most of them won't exist. Maybe everything's a cigar button, butter bing, butter boom. 
is there a time horizon that you usually think about or look at to go, no, this is a real cigar, but as at now versus some albatross will come through and just wipe out the industry in 15 years. We just don't know what it is. It'll just be technology full stop. All right. To go deeply into that, because this is something I have put thought into, I don't believe any business lasts forever. I think it's incredibly rare. And even when you look to the juggernauts of the world, like I think it's like GE, General Electric, like no one's even quite sure what they do anymore. Like you wouldn't call that the Titan businesses they are. They evolve and change. So everything changes, every business evolves, every like it all is cycles and seasons. I actually think about this from a different perspective of going, well, where do I want to spend my time for my seasons? Yep. Like what businesses do I get the opportunity to be involved in and go with? And I just don't feel any business I've done is going to last forever. Yep. Like I don't go into any business going, this is going to be around for 50 years. So when I take that lens and look through it, I go, well, what if I approach things from the idea where every one of these is a cycle and potentially has a sell point? Yeah. Because you've got to remember, you miss the in the thesis of uh, perpetual business, you never sell a business. Where in the idea that, hey, I'm going to look to build something for five years and then sell it at the end, the exponential value of selling something is there. You get to complete the cycle of birthing something, growing something, and selling something. Yep. And um, it's something I've done. It's I know it's something you've done. And like you can see the rewards of selling a business, a good business, are immense as well. So personally, and this is more from like myself rather than what is possible, I like different seasons. Mm. I like the idea of getting to do different businesses personally. Like it, it, I love being a business owner and essentially getting to play these different sports within business. And I think that is something that I will continue to pursue for the rest of my life. You know what? I've, I got so many more questions, but I'm like, this is the perfect wrap up. Let's do it. I was going to say, like, you could just put, like, like roll the credits <laughs> on that last note because I thought it was so well played. Like, Should we put in some theme music? Just, da, 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 da. We'll, we'll be the theme music. All right. If you're listening to this and you're like, holy smokes, I have seen some amazing cigar butts in my time that have been disrupted, you know what to do. Reply to that email. And if you're not on the email, head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash a newsletter and put in your details and then you can reply to the email and tell Charlie all about the disrupted businesses that you have seen. I just want to say thank you and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.